0: We'll read the entire psalm together, Psalm 103. Let's hear the Lord's inspired and infallible word. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth All thine iniquities Who healeth all thy diseases Who redeemeth thy life from destruction Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles The Lord executeth righteousness And judgment for all that are oppressed he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man... His days are his grass. As a flower of the field so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting. To everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant. And to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has Hath prepared his throne in the heavens. And his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord ye his angels. That excel in strength. That do his commandments. Hearkening to the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord. All ye his hosts. Ye ministers of his. That do his pleasure. Bless the Lord. All his works. In all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And God will bless the reading of his word for his name's sake. We bow our heads in a word of prayer. Let's seek the Lord together. Father in heaven, thy word has called upon us even now to bless thee and all that is within us to bless thy holy name. Oh, we would desire to do that this day. To truly bless the Lord. But we realize something. We confess, Lord, that before we can do that aright, we need Thee to bless us. We need the blessing of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of grace to flood our hearts. We need our minds blessed to understand the Word of God. We need Lord blessing in order to bless. So we pray that Thou wilt help us in our weakness, help us in our ignorance, give to us a sight of Thyself this day, which will compel us to bless the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I read the story of a naval chaplain who many, many years ago was visiting the sailors on board a ship that had come into one of our ports here in the U.S. There was one particular sailor who appeared to be at death's door, and the chaplain went to his side he spoke to that man very tenderly very wisely about the state of his soul and realizing that death was probably just around the corner for him pleaded with him to come to the Lord Jesus Christ the sailor as sailors are said to do cursed him like a sailor and told him to leave he wasn't interested in his religion the chaplain responded that he had to be faithful in giving him the gospel because if he died without repenting of his sin he'd be lost forever the sailor was sullen silent and pretended to fall asleep. But the chaplain wasn't discouraged by that initial response. He kept returning to this man and kept pleading with him to seek the Lord for salvation. Each time he was met with the same cursing and the same apparent carelessness about his own soul Now, it may have been something he heard in his voice or in his manner, but there was something about the sailor that led the chaplain to suspect he was from Scotland, a Scotchman. So during one of his visits, he repeated the verse of an old version of Psalm 103. Such pity as a father hath... And to his children dear, like pity shows the Lord to such as worship him in fear. The chaplain wrote that when the sailor heard those words from Psalm 103, tears filled his eyes. The chaplain asked him if he had a, had, God, had a godly mother that had reared him. He said, yes, when I was a boy, she taught me that psalm and prayed to God for me. But since then, he confessed he'd been a wanderer, a wanderer at land and a wander at sea. Yet the memory of his mother's faith in the Lord and her love for him, along with the truth that was uttered in that psalm, moved that sailor's heart this time the appeals of the gospel minister didn't fall upon deaf ears and instead of using his tongue to curse God he actually used it to call upon the Lord for mercy and the Lord showed him mercy not only in sparing his life because he didn't die but in saving his soul he went on to live a life that gave very clear evidence that he had been truly converted that day and. On that ship. I, I glean from that little incident that there is tremendous power, actually life transforming power, in the right knowledge of who God is. He obviously had a wrong understanding of who God was. But when that truth from Psalm One o three about the Lord's pity and the Lord's mercy was brought to his mind. It was that that the Holy Spirit used to bring this man to the end of himself, who would actually call upon the God whom he had been cursing earlier. Whether we speak of God's omnipotence, his faithfulness, his wisdom, his truthfulness, or any other attribute of the Lord there lies within those revelations of his being of his nature such truths that have this ability to change a life not only for a day but to change it for eternity to know God is to have eternal life to know God is to have eternal life that man came to know God not something about God but to know God As he had a revelation of who God actually is. That's equally true of the text before us this morning. Found in verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth. That we are dust. The Lord's people have found in that verse such a sight of their relationship to the Lord. That they have been moved to lift their battered and their bruised hearts in praise and thanksgiving to God. Even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances. The Lord pities me. That's what I want you to think about. If you're one of his children. The Lord. Pities you. It's that. Truth I want. By the help of God I trust. To press home. To our hearts this morning. God's pity. For his children. First is the fact of it. The fact of God's pity, the Lord, by the Spirit, through the psalmist, states very plainly that he has a tender, father-like pity for his children. We ought never doubt that fact. We ought never call it into question. Never. But we do. regardless of what we are going through, regardless of how we feel or how we may have failed the Lord, God has put it down in writing. I pity my children. And by that, I mean to say that there is in God not only only a deep interest in his people and everything Everything that touches their lives. But I mean that he is actually moved. He is touched. By our weakness. By our infirmities. That. Is stout. This almighty God. Self existent, eternal, actually is moved with compassion for his children. He makes it known in his word. That he shares all their griefs and he carries all their woes. I have no time for Allah, He's not the God of this Bible. God is not some cold, emotionless deity that is actually unaffected or callous to our sufferings and our sorrows and our sicknesses and our sins and failures. It's very, very true that God is omniscient. He knows everything that's going to happen, everything that you're ever going to do, think, feel, or say. And it's all part of the foreordained plan. That's all part of his eternal decree, but that foreknowledge does not leave God without a heart for our troubles and our tears. When we come to this area of Theology, I like to compare God's ways with the doctor. Seven kids, you kind of experience a lot of things when your kids get sick and what they have to go through at times. You've seen them perhaps, and the doctor's had to perform upon one of your children some painful procedure. They're just a little child and they don't understand. They they don't have the mental capacity to get it, what's going on and why it's going on. All they are feeling is the pain. But the pain is very necessary because the procedure is necessary. And the child screams and, and cries, but all of the screams and the tears, I've never seen one doctor moved by them. I don't read their mind or their hearts, but I've never seen them brought to tears at the tears of any of my children. He knows that he must do what he has to do to help bring health to the sick child. So he calmly carries on without much thought about the actual pain his procedure is causing. Knowing that this is going to bring about the fix. It's going to bring about the cure. But you let a mother or a father into that room and things are very, very different. They aren't just sitting idly by watching the procedure take place. They're engaged. They're moved by what they see their children going through. So the Lord pities His children. When He knows He must use the heavenly life and cut deep into their hearts, He knows when He has to bring pain in order to heal. Lamentations three thirty three, Jeremiah said, He doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. There's no delight in God. He knows it's necessary, but even as he knows it's necessary, He pities us in the pain it causes. He has compassion. If you are one of his, the Lord pities you. The tense is present. So it's continual. His pity never fails to flow. God does not turn off and on his pity to his children based upon their behavior. It's based upon his nature. And the fact is, we never this side of glory are going to have be at a time when we won't need him to pity us. You and I need the Lord to pity us every day. Every single day. Have pity on us. Because our frame is weak and we are dust at our best. The fact that he pities all says two things. The pity of God is for those that fear him. The word fear here in the Hebrew is a word for reverence that revere him. It's a common description of the Old Testament believer, the one that fears the Lord. That's the idea. He fears the Lord. To say that a man fears the Lord is to say that he, he has bowed his will to the will of God because he, he reveres him. He's my God, he's, he's my sovereign, he's my king. I do his will. I fear the Lord. It's to say that such a man is, 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 is desirous of pleasing the Lord. If you revere him, you fear him. You want to obey him. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To turn from evil, to turn to good, to turn to holy, and to turn from wicked. To fear the Lord is to be happy with his smile and moved by his love. Even though there might be a whole lot of others that don't smile upon you, and that don't love you. Your real concern is, it's his smile. The smile of his face is your happiness. So this is meant for God's own children. And these are the descriptions of a child's behavior toward his father. It also says that God's pity is toward all that fear him. You don't have to reach a certain level of spiritual maturity before the Lord begins to pity you. He pities his oldest child as well as his youngest. He pities that that old saintly believer who's walked with him for years. He's still his child but he still needs pity. And he pities the one who's just been born again by the Spirit of God, who does know his left hand from his right spiritually. All of his children need his pity, no matter how advanced they are in the things of the Lord. And the fact of the matter is, the more they advance spiritually, the more they see their need for the Lord to pity him. That's the fact. Now, the facets of the pity of God for his children. Many sides to it. Many ways in which you and I can really testify how the Lord has gone about showing us pity. In the first place, he pities us in our childish ignorance. Childish ignorance children are ignorant of many things and that's simply because they're children the way that you have to take in teaching a child is give them a little bit at a time one thing after another line upon line precept upon see, precept here a little there a little right can't give it to them all at once they can't take it all in They have a hard time remembering. They forget so quickly. You tell them something. Okay, I got it. Doesn't seem long before they have forgotten what they said they had learned. Their memories are very fickle. And the father realizes that. And pities the ignorance of his child. So God is not angry with us because we don't know everything. You know, I don't know everything. And we, we might like to think that we do or give the appearance that we do, but we really don't know everything. In fact, there's a whole lot more that we don't know than we do know. There is more ignorance about us than there is learning. And that's how it's going to be till the day you die. Compared to what you can know and to what you know right now, they're light years apart. That's fact. We're children. Maybe some are older children, but we're children still. But God's not angry with us because we don't know everything. I almost said he'd be angry with those who think they know everything. But then that wouldn't be showing pity, would it? Because they have problems too. He's not angry with us because what we do know, what we have learned, we either forget it or we get it all jumbled up in our minds. He didn't hold that against us. He pities our childish ignorance. He knows that we are children. So he he bears with us. And what we are plagued with is uh, learning. Isn't that what we all have? A learning disability in the things of God. We may be well able to ace all the academic tests, but when it comes to the knowledge of God, when it comes to spiritual truth, learning the truth in such a way that we live by it and we lean upon it, there's a learning disability. We are slow to learn. I imagine, I don't know what your elementary school was like or your high school. I was in a small town. And uh, my elementary school, those days, it was grades one through six. And you grew up with these kids, you know, from first grade to sixth grade. There was about 30 in a class. You met with them every day in class, five days a week for six years of your life. There's always breakdowns in the class. You know, you have the reading group one, reading group two, reading group three. One were the real sharp ones, two were the middle of the road, three were they need help. You remember how it was if the teacher asked a question and your answer wasn't, Right. In fact, it was a million miles off the mark, and they snickered and laughed, and you were just as embarrassed as anything could be. You felt like a dummy. Does God deal with your ignorance and mine like that? Never has. Never, never has. Like the father with his child, he feels the injury that's done to his child and goes over the lesson again and again and again. We have a hard time grasping that because we often have found ourselves reacting quite differently. Uh, to our children than God does with us as we respond to them and we try to explain something to them and, you know, I told you two or three times and they don't get it. And we get frustrated. Why don't you see it? It's as clear as the nose on your face. Why don't you see it? And you can't understand. Impatience takes over. Frustration. Anger. And you say, in essence, I'm done. I'm not going to tell you this again. But you know, the Lord... He's taught us the truth, and we still still don't know it. At least, by our behavior, we haven't learned it. We haven't gotten it. Years ago, when a child had a learning disorder, They were written off. Group three. A learning disability that required some special attention was necessary, but in your day and mine, when we were in that age group, it was just they're dull, you know, they're backward, they're stupid. Group three. Never expected anything of them, never expected them to shine, to make anything worthwhile of their life. But God is our Father. And He and He takes us with all of our learning disorders, our spiritual disorders. Learning disorders with all of our slowness to learn his ways and to learn his word. And he never ever tires of teaching us. And so little by little, he teaches us because he pities us. No, that child of mine there hasn't gotten it yet. I've put them in a number of situations but they still haven't learned yet. I'll have to do it again. If we fail the test he doesn't blow up at us bring out his rod and beat us down. He just starts all over again because he pities us. He understands we're just dust. He understands so well what we so often forget. Not only does he pity us in our childish ignorance, but he pities us in our childlike weakness I got uh, first time I preached this sermon I didn't have any grandchildren at all just had my own parcel but it's a nice reminder now years later that I've got nine grandchildren and I am reminded all the time of their childish weakness they can't do very much because of their weakness too young too small too helpless you watch a father that looks at his child trying to carry a load that's just too heavy the child wants to, wants to be a help sometimes they do anyway Sometimes the child will like you carry the load. But they want to help. They try to carry it and it's just too heavy for them. And does the father upbraid that child for his weakness? No, no, he doesn't do that. What's wrong with you? Can't you carry it? No, he understands the child is weak. It's just beyond his ability to carry. It. And so he goes to him and, and helps. As the father pitieth his children. The Lord of them that fear him. You see, brothers and sisters, God knows your weakness right now. He just knows how weak you are. At any level. Whether it's emotional weakness, whether it is spiritual weakness, whether it is physical weakness. He knows your weakness. I mean, this text... He knoweth our frame. He remembereth we are dust. And then compared to grass, that flourishes and the wind passes over and it's gone. We're just a massive weakness. But he knows it. Perhaps you feel way down because of some weakness that you have. Whether it's spiritual or physical, emotional, it doesn't really matter. You feel the infirmities of your flesh and your spirit, but don't let your weakness, however weak you are, lead you to have any hard thoughts about how the Lord looks upon you. I mean, that's society, you know. It's get rid of the weak, push the strong. Well, the Lord says, no, no, that, 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 because there's a weakness there. It, it, my heart goes out because of the weakness. I pity it. You may forget, but he hasn't forgotten. Whenever I have the opportunity, I always like to remind the Lord's people about an incident I read years and years ago uh, from the autobiography of Spurgeon. He was afflicted severely with gout, a disease that causes severe swelling and pain in the joint. One time he was in such severe pain, he had to lie on his side in bed for eight days straight, lie on his side for eight days straight just to find some kind of relief from the pain. And his autobiography records an incident where he was in a hotel room and the pain was so intense He asked everyone to leave the room. His friends, servants that were with him. He said, I turned to God in that empty room and said, Lord, if I saw my child in that kind of pain and I had the power to take it away, I would take it away. Lord, I am Thy child. Please ease this pain. And God heard his prayer and immediately answered. And the pain was relieved. On that instance at least. The Lord pitied him. That disease also was part and parcel to leading Spurgeon to bouts of deep depression. And our physical ailments can do the same thing. You see, the Lord knows In spite of what others may think or what we may think, the Lord knows that we are not made of cast iron. We're not steel. We're dust. Dust. He doesn't rebuke us for it. He doesn't hold it against us. But he's actually touched by it. My, house Satan wants to do a number on our thoughts about how God thinks about us. He wants to do a number on us. Because you see, folks, at the end of the day, all that really matters is what the Lord thinks of me. It's not what you think of me. It's what the Lord thinks of me. You can pity me all you want, but if the Lord doesn't pity me, I have nothing. God pities our childish follies as well. Children are foolish, they're children. It's, 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 it's worse than ignorance when I talk about the foolishness it's worse than weakness but children, because they are children are prone to do very foolish things yes, part of the folly is tied to they just don't know but it's not always that they just don't know it's cases where they do know and they still do it anyway it's foolish They do foolish things, they say foolish things, and they think foolish things. Children, what do we say? They act up. They act up. For children. And children have to learn, just like you and I had to learn, what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior. It's one of the indicators of maturity when you find out when your, your, uh, your horizons grow as to that is acceptable and that is not acceptable. But have you ever noticed how the parents of a child are much more tolerant of their foolish behavior? than others are you see them acting foolishly, they're not your child and they get my hands on that kid. Needs a good thrashing is what it needs. (laughs) Not the parents. The answer for the behavior is very simple. They love them. They're their children. They're special to them. And so they say, boys will be boys. That's some kind of an excuse like that. Now mind you, you have to distinguish between what is mere childish folly and what is sinful and just plain wrong? You never want to excuse sin with the phrase, boys will be boys. Never do that. Sin is going to be sin. But we're talking about childishness. And when we were children, we were childish. And our parents put up with at different degrees, levels, but they put up with our childishness because, well, that's what children do. They didn't kick us out of the house. They didn't stop us from coming to the table. They didn't quit feeding us or clothing us. They didn't disown us. Often we engage in childish follies as Christians. You know, other Christians look all at the behavior. I'd like to wring their neck. I'd like to set them straight on a thing or two. I'd like to give that brother a piece of my mind and straighten out what's wrong. i like to tell that sister what I really feel about that. Uh, not the Lord. Not the Lord. We act foolishly. And I think at times we've done it when we think we're acting wisely. That's how deep the foolishness is run. We actually think we've been acting wisely. We think we're pleasing God sometimes, and we're actually displeasing Him. There are times that there there are sins... To take the, the, the thought of the Old Testament scriptures, there are sins in our holy things, and how strange that must appear to the Lord at times. Sins in our holy things. Take for instance our our doubts and our fears and our worries. How foolish they are. We try to make out that, well, we're not really doubting God. After all, we'd never call him a liar. But that's actually what we're doing. We're doubting what God has plainly declared to be truth in his word. But is God angry with us? Nope, I I would say God pities us. Pities us. It's foolishness. It's like the two men on the road to Emmaus. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. He didn't blow up at them and get angry. He just said, oh, fools, you're foolish. You're so slow to believe what is written in the word of God. And then he just took the time to open up the scriptures to them because he pitied them. So he doesn't deal with us in harshness. He puts he puts his own interpretation. That's my child. Being foolish. My, I pity it. It's just my child being foolish again. He pities us moreover by forgiving us of our faults. You see, folly is one thing. Sinful Faults are another. Christians, you and me, we do foolish things. Foolish. We'd have to look that was foolish. But we also do evil things. We do wicked things. We say wicked things. We think wicked things. We do wicked things. So when a child has sinned against its father or mother, that child if 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 the child is good child it's not going to be satisfied until it comes to the father and says what it's done and asks for forgiveness not going to be happy something wrong when it doesn't something is wrong when when the sin has been committed and there's not a willingness or a desire to come back and say, I'm sorry. And if that child comes back and says, you know, I'm sorry. What loving parent would tell that child, well, I don't forgive you. You've done that too many times. I don't want to hear it. There's no loving father that would ever treat a child that way. And because our heavenly father pities his children he's provided them cleansing and he is quite ready to forgive us of our sins. And Are there not times when we have come to God to confess some sin and have been fearful like a child would be that we're not going to get a reception from the Lord and it's not going to be a good time prayer at all and the Lord's not going to hear us and the heavens are shut out to us and we imagine that he would not hold fellowship with us that he would not actually hear us when we call upon him we fear that those are those are those are realities brothers and sisters about a child of God but then we've gone to the Lord with our sin and with our sorrow and we've told him and we found the Lord has forgiven us right away. Right away. Do you not think that Peter should have been kept out of the church for a good long while because he denied the Lord not one time but three times? And you just need to stay away Peter for a while. But on Resurrection Sunday, Christ made sure that his disciples knew that he wanted Peter to know that he has risen. You make sure you tell Peter. The one who denied me. And so Peter is seen that same day in the company with John. The Lord was so ready to forgive him. Don't you who have had children remember the time when your children came to you, told you what they had done, bawling the whole time? And what did you say when they came like that? What did you do? You just took them in your arms and you held them and you said, it's all right. right. Still love you. Just so the Lord treats his children because he pities them. One of the great things I think that will be in glory is that I believe the Lord will recount to me every time I took you into my arms and I forgave you. You came. Remember that? I had forgotten all about those. How many times will it be that I've actually, the Lord's going to show you came and I forgave and you came and I forgave because I pitied you. For the sake of my son Jesus Christ I pitied you. I'm often reminded of the prodigal son the father who while he was a great way off sees him coming and runs to him and falls upon his neck and kisses him. how piteous the Lord is to his children the Lord also pities his children's pain it's hard to stand beside your bed and watch your child suffer with some sickness or fever I'll never forget my two oldest daughters they were young at the time Rhiannon had a burning fever and it wouldn't break. I had to do those cold water baths to try to bring it down. Rachel was lying beside her in the bed and I I was sitting down beside Rhiannon on the bed that night and she was burning with a fever and I could tell Rachel looking over and Rachel had a worried look on her eyes, worried, what's wrong with Rhiannon? Why is the fever not going away? I would have gladly taken the fever in her place because she was my child. It causes the parent grief to see the child and sadness it will usually bring the parents to tears when they see their children in tears it's pity you feel for them you don't want them to hurt You don't want them to feel the pain. You want to know the reason for their unhappiness, the reason for their misery, to see if somehow you can help alleviate it. You want to see them happy. It's nice when you see your children weeping because of sin. That's a good thing. It's the happy kind of grief. And the sooner it comes, it's, the better it is. But in all of those kinds of things, you and I have pitied our children in their pain. And so do you, not, do you not know that the Father pities you in your pain? It might be physical. My Savior knows physical pain. His memory is perfect. He knows physical pain. Emotional pain. His heart was so heavy so full of sorrow he was called the man of sorrows my the Lord the Lord does not come to his children and say get a life he does not say suck it up But he pities. He has compassion. He understands. In His own gracious way, in His own Almighty way, God will show that pity to bring an end to the pain, to bring an end to the suffering to lift you from the doldrums of despair to the heights of happiness that's who he is that's what he does that's my father in heaven and that's your father in heaven that's the one we've come to worship this day and I trust that a word here or there will be one in season for you Let's bow our heads and hearts around the throne. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, we're glad that thy word is all-powerful. Thy word changes lives. Take the truths revealed about thee this day. Seal them to our souls and show us afresh just how much we're loved by thee What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. We thank Thee, Father, this morning specifically for Thy pity for us. Give us more grace to think upon it more often than we do. Give us that grace to discern the attacks of the devil who would want to disabuse us of any thoughts that thou art a God full of pity. And, O Lord, we pray that we will be a people who know more and more how it is to treat thy children as thou dost treat us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.